Time for us to have a little chat with Vaughn Palmer from the Vancouver Sun this morning. Good morning, Vaughn. Hey, good morning, Simi. All right, so we finally got a look at this uh, long-term care report that you and I were talking about the last couple of weeks, and what did we see? Well, the first thing we saw is it doesn't, it's not as advertised by the Ministry of Health, which last week claimed it was just minor, or the Minister of Health, Adrian Dix, who said, hey, you know, when you read this thing, you'll see it's mostly favorable. Well, neither of uh, neither the minister nor the ministry was reading the same report that i read because the one that was finally posted on monday uh, found serious problems serious failings in the way the ministry was managing infection control pandemic relief pandemic management safeguards in long-term care and so that report is as i say it's not minor it's certainly not mostly favorable and of course the important thing about that report simi is that it arrived in the government two days before the election and they only released it this week because reporters started asking about it last week the other thing i noticed too is that like when they did this report when they were asking all the questions it was last summer and that was before we got into the really hard-hitting second wave uh quite true uh the research for the report was done in july and august when we were you know i'd say still in the patting ourselves on the back phase of management of the pandemic the government but uh, public maybe a bit too and so the research was done then and yet they still found significant shortcomings in the way things were being handled in the long-term care sector well on the 22nd of october when the report landed in the government, which was in caretaker mode then, the politicians were running for re-election, um, the, we'd already seen the, the stats bear it out. We'd already seen the second wave was building, especially in long-term care, and of course it turned into a catastrophe. Another interesting thing about this report is that it was not shared with the watchdog on long-term care, Isabel McKenzie. She got her copy. That's crazy. The same time the rest of us did on Monday. And I'm sure it's just a coincidence that they didn't give it to the watchdog. But she, you know, read through it, and she made the point that when the report was done, long-term care had been uh, relatively well managed. There had not been a lot of outbreaks, and they she feels, learn to confine them to a single case. But there's all this advice about lack of safeguards. She points out that since that research was done, there's been, you know, three times as many outbreaks in long-term care. Um, as we know, two-thirds of the deaths are in long-term care. And people with, you know, we've seen just recently, um, it's still like pulling teeth to get information about specific long-term care outbreaks. So, you know, I have to think that if they'd made that public report, that report public when they got it mm-hmm. and given it to McKenzie, I think there'd have been more pressure on the government to deal with this. Uh, Adrian Dix said, oh, well, you know, the staff held it back because they were overworked and all that. And he says he takes responsibility for it. I'm a suspicious person. I I think if that report had been as flattering as the minister claimed, they would have been parading it across That's the right. page. 
I think somebody, I suspect that there was no drive to release it to the public and the Ministry of Health because it reflected badly to some degree on the ministry and on the government. It's so frustrating, though, because when you think about this report was sitting there as the second wave was building, as we were getting these outbreaks in long-term care homes, and there might have been very well something in that that could have helped them prevent some of those from happening. Um, I think so. I think it would have flagged uh, the at least some of the shortcomings. And, you know, I, I, all of this goes into the mix at some point, I think, um, you know, you you had uh, Sam Cooper on talking about the public inquiry into money laundering, and it is uncovering all sorts of things yeah. about the previous government. Uh, will this government, when it's all over, and please let it be soon, have a public inquiry into how we manage the pandemic, the lessons to be learned? I know Mackenzie said this week that this report is the kind of thing that tells us where we can do better and the lessons that could be learned. Right. Okay. So there's long-term care that we're going to continue to talk about, but let's talk about ICBC here as well. Something that this government definitely embraced improving over the previous government. Did you uh, look at the online calculator yesterday? (laughs) I'm a negligent person, Simi. When I heard you talking (laughs) about your rebate on the radio this morning, I went, gee, I should should check mine. But of course... The, the the app doesn't start till 7 a.m. I guess the app is sleeping overnight. <laughs> well, that wasn't my rebate. I should clarify. That's not my rebate that I was getting, but that is how much my insurance ah. differential is for yes. next year. Yes. Well, I see. I heard, I believe, Mike Smith say yesterday that his insurance is only going to go down 200 bucks. Um, yours is going down 800 800, bucks. So you're eating Mike Smith's lunch. (laughs) (laughs) I I favor equalization among NW hosts. So we, I think we need to hear from uh, Jill Bennett and Linda Steele. And when it's all over, we'll see whether together you average out to the government's promise of what is, I think it's a 20% savings, 400 bucks. I think I was there when Jill Bennett did hers yesterday because I made her do hers as well when I was there. And I think hers was a couple hundred bucks. Wasn't as long as mine. I think mine is, it's an older car and I city drive. I don't drive very often and it's a very short drive, you know, when I do. And I think that probably made the difference with mine. Well, at least we know the government isn't tailoring it for people that are pains in the neck, because in which case (laughs) I expect mine would be going up. (laughs) That's true. Uh, So there's that. We're going to talk to Nicholas Jimenez about that actually coming up after the seven o'clock news. Uh, What about the budget though? Are we hearing when that might be coming down? Yeah, so, you know, they were asked yesterday about this rebate, which is clearly, you know, designed to build up anticipation. And so Jimenez got asked yesterday, well, we haven't had a quarterly financial for a little while from ICBC. He said, it's in the works. We're working it out. We're dealing with Treasury Board. So that's the Committee of Cabinet and the branch of the Ministry of Finance that puts together the budget. And Obviously, the the budget's delayed, so I think we can safely assume that perhaps the final bottom line word on what's happening at ICBC will be delayed as well. The budget's due the 20th of April. Um, You will remember, of course, Simi, that uh, when the premier called the election, he insisted that the government would just be going full speed ahead while he and his ministers were running for office. But what actually happened is, you know, he spent five weeks campaigning, another five weeks putting together a new government. Exactly. And the budget's behind schedule. So we're not going to get it until about two months 
after we would normally get it. And somewhere in there, we'll also get the details on exactly what's happening with ICBC finances. Of course, they're expected to do much better. That's why we'll be in line for a reduction in rates. Right. And uh, speaking of ICBC person in charge is Mike Farnworth. Uh, he has been very vocal the last couple of days, too, especially talking about these two uh, Q jumpers. He's had some pretty strong words about that. I love that they put out a press release saying they're not going to get their second dose know, until, right? until August. And I, uh, I, I mean, I don't blame the government on that one. They're, these people are notorious all over the world. But um, Farnworth got asked about penalties and fines, and he said, well, you know, uh, there's a couple of things. There are legal limits on how big a fine you can impose. The the actual maximum limit is higher than we've heard from some of these fines. But he also said, you know, they're revisiting that issue. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see a change of legislation allowing um, tougher fines in some circumstances, although... I don't know, Simi. I still think public shaming is probably more. Oh, no kidding, than, right? I think Mike, he said that too. Is that you know, it doesn't matter how much of a monetary fine we could put on this. The guy lost his job. That was like a couple million dollars a yeah. year. No, he does walk away with a few million bucks. Uh, you know. True. I, <laughs> but good luck getting uh, another anyway, job. Anyway, you asked a great question about this yesterday. You know, there's still a story to be told about this, and the question you asked yesterday was, "How the hell did they?" come up with That's this right. idea How did they of know? flying to this remote community in Yukon. Like, wh- Who wh- told where them? did that come from? Is this yeah. some kind of a thing that's being circulated on the internet or that the we dark don't know web about. that we don't know about? Yeah. That's what I'm curious, too. They had to know. How do they know that a clinic was happening that day in this tiny community right on the border with Alaska, and they knew to get there and, and do this? Like, yeah. somebody told them something. They found out some information somehow. Yeah, and I mean, we know that there is private queue jumping going on because people, the wealthy, are buying vaccine. You can do that and arranging through private clubs. And I know there's, uh, you know, a luxury condominium project somewhere in the States. I saw a piece on that. Everyone's been vaccinated. So it is happening. And of course, in some places, the waiting lists aren't as long. Washington State is. I think over 6%, 7% of the population already vaccinated. Well, we're still waiting for vaccines here in B.C. So there are other ways to do it. I, I like you, am just astonished that it ended up being, no you know, a, a, a little tiny community in Yukon um, where they pulled, tried to pull off the scam. Uh, no kidding. All right, Ron, thank you. Bye-bye, Simi. Ron Palmer from the Vancouver Sun. Yeah, the story about that as well is in Florida, anybody over the age of 65 can get it. And only in some circumstances are they asking if you're actually a resident of Florida, but if you can produce a utility bill. So snowbirds, if they're down there and they're over the age of 65, and let's say they've got a winter place where they stay at that their name is on the utility bill, they can also get the shot down there. So very different situations south of the border for sure.